1: Hello everybody and welcome along to the show of the year. It's just after 8 o'clock in the evening here in the UK. 3pm uh, on the eastern seaboard and noon on the left-hand coast. And this is where the awards that matter are handed out. Total Democracy... In the
0: ballroom. Sorry? Sorry, in the ballroom. I nearly said ballroom there. But yes, in the ballroom, that's where they're handed out.
1: Ballroom. I do like a nice, I like plenty of ballroom, that's always good, particularly in your rear suit. Now, uh, tonight is, uh, as well as our award show uh, and uh, uh, the show of the year, we also have news and in a packed show tonight, Tim, we have what?
0: Uh, we have all the usual features, we have all the usual guests wearing some very special outfits. You look very smart tonight, Tim. Who are you wearing? I'm wearing Claire by Grayson Perry. Excellent.
3: Excellent.
0: Uh, Nick Damon is joining us tonight.
2: Uh, Good evening, Tim. Good evening, John. Good evening, everyone. Good evening,
0: esteemed guests.
2: And who are you wearing tonight? I have Yves Saint-Michel on, a selection of leisure wear from the famous uh, British uh, couture house. Excellent.
0: Shay Adam is uh, with us, bringing a little uh, feminine charm to the proceedings. Uh, And glamour,
1: indeed. Uh, And who are you (laughs) wearing tonight, Chair?
5: Hello everyone. I am wearing Emerald Sunday. My shoes are Chanel, and my jewellery is by Tiffany's.
2: Uh, and, and Emerald see, Sunday sounds like
0: the sort of thing I'd eat. Strangely,
2: yeah. strangely for some reason, I <laughs> can't say that nowadays, has, Tim. For some really, she has fifty million pounds of jewellery from somewhere. Yeah, I can't imagine where she's
1: got <laughs> oh, that from.
5: Oh, awkward. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that's a
1: really interesting uh, necklace you got there. Is that an stone round your neck? <laughs>
2: oh, very good.
1: Bef- oh. Before- oh, is it an
0: eccles cake?
2: <laughs> <laughs> hmm
1: Uh If it was, I go for a nibble. And before you can't say that either. <laughs> no. I that's like both of you. <laughs> I like cake. Both of you I too. I like ice cream. Both of you are on a yellow card already and we're not five minutes into the show. <laughs> before anybody asks, uh I'm I'm wearing the new Lacoste by uh, Louise Trotter. A uh, long-time friend of mine doing great work uh, at uh, at Lacoste. Uh, so all of that to come. Let's keep a little bit of decorum here with a bit of housekeeping before we kick off our first uh, story tonight. Hello to Screezilla. Uh, AFAs, as always, will be listening to you on my drive to work in Chile, South Australia. 45 degrees for the next few days. That's Celsius, by the way. Oh, goodness me. Uh, Hello to Owen Trinkler. We'll have some news from his uh, team boss Uh, later on tonight. Ted Giovannis will be on the telephone. James King, uh, good evening. Good to know you're listening in as well. Declan Brennan's tuned in uh, as well as Daniel Summersgill, who says, will you be discussing the bizarre new qualifying concept for Le Mans tonight? Got a lot of Le Mans content tonight, including... The Sporting Director of the ACO, Vincent Beaumanil who's our big interview at nine o'clock tonight. And yes, we will be discussing the latest hyperball from Hyper Bowl <laughs> from the ACO, uh, as well as their qualifying uh, for Le Mans itself. This how you get your invitations uh, as well. Hello, Kevin Payne and Jonathan Ezor, uh, Airface from him getting ready for an overnight overseas flight. I'll be downloading the podcast to enjoy cruising altitude. Uh, Kevin Payne says, listening live again, always love the show of the year. Will we squeeze in the Christmas quiz this year? No. However, we have got a Christmas quiz, just not ours. The Torah Radio Show have their Christmas quiz tomorrow night starting at 8 o'clock. They do. Uh, No AFAs for Stephen Lloyd tonight, no AFAs. Derby aren't playing, all ears for the show of the year. Hello to Ben Constantouris, to Marco Balansvard uh, as well. Guffler Lamon uh, listening in as well. Uh, Randy Brown not listening, had the day off but got called to work last minute for the United States Postal Service. Uh, Going to need the podcast to make it through this 10th day in the row. We'll get it up as soon as we can for you. Uh, Sammy Ahmed and Kevin Poulton and Right Turn Lover are all tuned in as is Rob Chalmers. Uh, he says, notice how a lot of the ACO things are a keystroke away from hilarious. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Work that one out yourself. Uh, Carol Brink is listening tonight. Uh, just an AFA for Kevin on his next to last trip uh, for 2019 to Coachella. Gert, now they uh, is saying uh, about the hyperpole coverage. How's that going to work? They don't have great coverage now. Uh, how will they get that with even more track action? Do we get a decent timing screen or not? Are they keeping what we've got now? Christian Mat- Christopher Matthias, no, if is here off this afternoon listening live. I imagine the it, champagne is being saved for after the uh, Person of the Year uh, award is presented. You may need goggles and appropriate rain gear to protect
2: your formal attire. Uh, there has there have been pre-show drinks tonight, Nick. Marvelous. Who has a, a very nice early. Uh bit of whiskey, you've imbibed uh, you much more because um, I have to drive home after this.
1: Simon Hoff has got his best boiler suit cleaned and pressed live and ready for the only award show that matters as is James Bertha tonight listening live for the second time ever while on holiday with my wonderful wife, sunny but chilly Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Trust me it, it's a lot less chilly than it is here in the UK. David 2 Bruce is listening live tonight. Adrian Michael Rees says, come on Harvey for the uh, music at the front. Chris Coughlin's just made it for the show of the year. Tie jeans and odd socks. Perfect. Mike Perrin uh, is uh, AFA in the faint hope that Oxford can pull off a miracle against Manchester City. But I have got my tux for the podcast and I'll be listening on the O736 to Victoria tomorrow. Scott Third World Racing, Erwin Grevin and Sergio Nascimento all listening in tonight. Let's have the top story, Tim.
0: Before we go on to the news, we have our first award. Oh, oh, really? Yes.
1: Oh, whooshing in from the left-hand side. Here here comes the first gold envelope, and it's for what, Tim? Our first category tonight is for Car of the Year. Let's have the nominees first of all. Go me.
0: (laughs) From Shea Adam, the Acura DPI. Right, very (laughs) good. From uh, Nick Dayburn, the Formula E Gen 2.
1: Very important car, that. Thank very very you very much car. They've
0: uh, announced details of Gen Three this week. Yeah, mm. mm. more on Formula E later on in the show. Uh, from John mm. Heintoff, the Porsche 911 RSR, best sounding car. And mm. from Johnny
1: Palmer, the BMW 330i. Right, the voting was tabulated by our independent adjudicators as it closed at midnight GMT last night.
0: Yes, I forgot to mention earlier, hmm? uh, seven votes were cast after voting closed, oh, no. and they have not been counted. Oh, really? Only oh, seven? Oh. Only seven. Okay. You have been voting in your thousands, and only Excellent. seven. Um Very impressed. Have, uh, was there a clear winner late.
2: in this category?
0: Uh, I need to open the envelope first. <laughs> All right.
2: Okay. Ah, <laughs> oh, envelope opening sound effects.
0: Excellent. No, he's actually doing that.
2: <laughs> no, I know.
1: You know he's actually got envelopes. In fourth place, uh, it is the actual. should just do third? Oh, I was going to should do third, second, and then we would have some jeopardy.
0: Well, I'm not going to tell you who's second. Okay. In third place, right. it is the BMW 330i.
2: Oh, I'm quite happy. I got, I got there or thereabouts. That's all right.
0: Right. And the winner yeah. is the
1: Porsche 911 RSR. Oh. not a competition, remember, unless I win, and then it was. Okay. Absolutely, the correct result by the electorate. There, I'm delighted to see. Can I have another vote? No, I'm two, sorry. Two years time? No, can't. It's a once. <laughs> this is this is a once in a lifetime vote that you're going to get. Absolutely the correct vote. I think you'll find it, I won the argument though. In it,
3: <laughs> can't argue with
1: that. Okay. Uh, in its final year, cleaned up. Absolutely the right decision by the voting. Well done to Porsche. For the outgoing 911 RSR, possibly, given the move to turbo cars and the new exhaust on the new car, that might possibly—and I bet you none, neither Nick or Sheer will disagree here—that might be the best sounding GT Blimmin car loud when it
2: fires up. It's, it's loud. So loud. <laughs> it's, well, it's
1: got it's... no mufflers on it. It's got no um, silencers on it. That's why we will. We, I don't think we'll hear anything of its like again. I must
2: admit, I think the Vette sounds better. Different
1: sound, different sound.
2: And the best sounding car in my 13, 14 years at the Mon, Aston V12, the P1.
1: Oh, the P1 car. Oh. Yeah.
2: Mm, can't argue
1: with that, mind you. But that wasn't in the fort.
2: No, I know, but we're just talking about sound. Congratulations <laughs> to
1: the Porsche RSR uh, and the, uh, the Porsche RSR as the car of the year. Tim, where would you like to take us next?
4: All the latest
1: motorsport
5: news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport.
1: Uh,
0: we're going to start this week on two wheels. Oh!
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and Andrea Yinoni says yes. he is totally relaxed. Well, I'm not surprised, well, not surprised. About, about stuff in his bloodstream. Despite <laughs> being provisionally suspended <laughs> from MotoGP after failing a drugs test, not those sort of drugs, Nick.
2: No, it's anabolic steroids. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's surprising. I mean, uh, let's assume he let's assume he did it. Uh, which we don't know, but anyways, why would you take anabolic steroids uh, for that sort of... It's m- not performance enhancing, you would think, Nick, Not on a motorbike, but, but it is, it does, one of the other uses for various types sort of steroids is to um, accelerate injury recovery, mm. um, it does help things get better and build muscle mass back up again, so, yeah, there is an element where it could be useful, it doesn't really enhance performance, you're not, you know, they, they all have enough strength, they don't need to build their bodies up, like they're going to, you know, lift Squat lift 200 kilograms, so it's a surprising one. But you know, well, let's, well, let's wait and see. You are innocent, until you're proven guilty by the um, B sample. He says he's completely relaxed, As he's not done it. Then in fact, I've n- not. This is nothing against Andrea, but I've yet to hear any any sportsman get caught by the A sample. is has gone, yeah, I did it. They all go, oh no, uh, and see, then get away with it. But I'm um, well, let's wait and see. It may be, it is a mistake.
0: Uh, I want to reassure my fans and uh, Prilly Racing. I'm open to any counter-analysis in a matter that surprises me also, because at the moment I've not received any official communication. Uh, He has asked Mm. for the B-sample to be tested.
2: Well, hopefully it comes back negative, but these things very rarely do.
0: Over the years, and also this season, I have undergone continuous checks, obviously always proving to be negative, which is why I have every confidence in the positive conclusion of this affair Probably not the right negative,
2: uh, negative
1: conclusion is
0: what he <laughs> yeah, needs, a Positive
2: conclusion with a negative result.
0: Yeah. I think that's what he probably needs. Uh, he had a pretty disappointing year, though, didn't he, Nick? He was
2: on the Prilla. The car wasn't very good. He, the, he, the what? It the bike. Ah, the bike wasn't, wasn't very wasn't good. Really. Obviously, he lost um, a couple of years back. He lost the, his ride with uh, Ducati. Was it Ducati? Was he was, he? No, he was with Suzuki. I don't know. Suzuki Ducati. He, he's been on the spiral of downward, downward team... Uh, success recently so um, he didn't have a very good year at all now
0: if uh, the B sample also proves to be positive he will face a four year ban which will probably end his career I don't think so Uh, he's 30 already so Uh, if he were to uh, not be able to ride in 2020 who might replace him
2: uh, I'm not quite sure. I haven't haven't looked into who the Aprilia uh, Reserve rider is. Do you know? Um, obviously, th- we have a finalised um, uh, grid, and I can't think offhand who it might be. I'll be honest with you. That's not the answer you want, but I can't help you with this one.
0: Let's oh. so move on to four wheels then.
2: Hooray! Oh no, and
0: Formula I One.
2: Hooray! Oh, it peaked too soon there.
0: Yeah, you, 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 oh, you very yeah. nearly hoorayed... Mm-hmm. Something that could have been anything.
2: Well, you know, some, I'm just excited by the whole award situation. Uh,
0: Williams has announced that two time McCann Grand Prix winner Dan Tictum has joined uh, the team's Driver Academy in the role e- of development driver. An extraordinary decision.
2: Just when you think they can't shoot a bigger hole in their
0: foot. A former member of Red Bull's junior driver programme, Tictum appeared to be next in line a year ago for graduation to F1 after finishing runner up to Mick Schumacher in the European Formula 3 Championship. He was sent to Japan earlier this year to compete in Super Formula, but results fell short of expectations, and Red Bull drops him.
2: I don't know him particularly well, um, but from all reports, he's an awful human being. Shall we hear um, what he has to
0: say?
6: I'm an awful human being? Ever since he was a young boy?
2: Uh,
0: definitely not, no. Okay. Let's have a listen.
6: Honoured, privileged, all the words that everyone will always give you, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a real chance for me. I've had a pretty up and down career, as a lot of people will know, so... To be given another opportunity, uh, I'm just looking forward to grabbing it with uh, all the hands I've got to be honest. so yeah, My role within the team will mainly be sim based at the factory, um, obviously I've had quite a lot of knowledge from, from my uh, previous driver program I was on, so uh, I think I'll be able to bring quite a lot to the table uh, there. I've done a lot of uh, F1 simulator stuff in the past, I mean obviously since F1 testing was Put on a ban many years ago. Uh, most teams have invested a lot in in sim because that's the closest you're going to get to testing, basically. So I think the knowledge I've I've got um, will be quite valuable. I hope at least. So uh, I'm looking forward to to getting started. For the last two years, I've, well, I've definitely done more days in the sim than I would have done in a real car. Um, they are getting very very realistic now. Um, so. It's just a, a very, very useful tool, really. I mean, most, most of the stuff that I did with, with my previous driver programme, um, the test days that I did and stuff, uh, we, we did a very similar programme back in the sim to sort of correlate and, you know, very, very similar feedback from what I gave in all the runs. So, uh, yeah. Perfect.
0: Don't them there saying pretty much nothing. <laughs>
1: You know, um, he he saw he, he managed to get in his previous program without mentioning it twice, which, which yeah. is
2: just irritating. Just say it's just say saying the other team doesn't mean they've got ten more points in the world championship. It doesn't give them anything. It just sounds really sad. Oh, I can't say Red, say Red Bull. Say Red Bull. Say Red Bull Racing. It we all go. We all know who you mean. In fact, because we're saying in our head, they're getting more publicity than if you said it yourself.
1: So, so what? That's actually pretty, that's uh, up sound. I believe that. Yeah, you're right. It's,
2: it's, yeah. when, it's, when, it's when those stupid times back back 15 years ago when it was only McLaren and Ferrari who could win. When our rivals haven't qualified quite as so, well, say red Ferrari. The we red know cars. who they are. Just say who you mean. It's not like, it's, it's just ridiculous. You're t- treating us like we're fools. You can write down another name on your press release without deline- uh, reducing the value of your particular press release. Oh, jeez. Carry on.
0: But other than that, <laughs> let's move to Canada now. Oh, good.
2: Oh, it's cold there. Oh,
0: Canada. Yay. Oh, Canada. <laughs> you won't be cheering this, Shay.
5: I've already got property there, so it's okay to move there.
0: ASN Canada <laughs> has resigned from the Fédération Internationale de l'Automobile.
2: Really? Hey, How can they have a Grand Prix, then? Uh,
0: they announced uh, this week that they've sent a letter of resignation to the FIA...
1: Uh, and uh, Hang on, haven't they got to be messed around for three years even though they really wanted to go <laughs> while nothing <laughs> happens and then have a ch- uh, some kind of change of the person at the top before that can be ratified?
2: Sounds like it.
0: Their representation of Canadian motorsport will end on December the 31st, 2019.
2: And be taken up by who?
0: The FIA has sent a delegate to Canada to discuss the situation and the future.
2: What's, what's what? their problem, though? Yeah, I was going to say, what's precipitated this? this? What's the issue?
0: Uh, now, obviously, without be- having a, uh, any members in Canada, the FIA uh, would not be able to sanction any motorsport in Canada. Yes. Which is yeah. uh, an issue. However, ASN has made sure that the 2020 international events scheduled for Canada are properly listed on the 2020 FIA international cana- calendar.
2: Yeah, but, that, but if... <laughs> I still understand what their problem is.
0: In addition... Uh, oh. their insurance policy right. uh, runs until March the 31st, 2020. So any events that take place before that will be covered by their insurance.
1: Right. The but Prix hang on, the Grand Prix, Prix is, in, is Indian, in June.
0: Yes, and the IndyCar is...
5: IndyCar is, is not FIA certified, though, is it? Uh,
0: ultimately, it is, yes. Mm, I,
5: uh-huh.
1: I think it can go ahead without FIA sanction.
5: But yeah, the in, FIA.
2: In yeah, but there's normally a steward from the governing, you know, the local, you know, yes. uh, club and everything else. I'd be very surprised. I, 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 the key uh, point uh, is, why uh, are they Why? So? What have they fallen out with yeah. the FIA
1: about? Uh, let Let's read. not forget, by the way, what we should say here is the FIA um, sporting side of things is only part of what the FIA do. Yes. And um,
0: there are all sorts of uh, organisations... Uh, outside of uh, sport, like the Caravan Club.
1: Yes, exactly. The Caravan Club of Great Britain is a member of the FIE. Correct. Absolutely right.
0: Uh, kart sport disciplines are being addressed. More information will be provided as matters clarify. From January the 1st, 2020, Canadian competitors requiring international licences and other needs, such as historic car matters, mm. will be referred to the Automobile Competition Committee for the United States, ACCUS. Accus, yes.
1: yeah, okay, and uh, there's nothing in this that says what the fallen out w- with the AC or uh, with the FIA about.
0: Not at all.
2: Weird. Oh. That's really
0: wow. Strange. The letter That's concludes clar- with we say since theith, uh, since. Sincere thank you to all of our affiliates, whom we've supported, and in turn have supported us over the last three decades. We also wish all the best for all the future to all competitors. Regards, ASN Canada Board of Directors.
2: That's basically so long and going, thanks for all the fish, isn't are they going it? Bust what or something? Are they got some sort of massive problem that they got? You know, where they've they about something to about to unravel in the ASN itself.
1: I, Who knows? I'm, I'm that is actually a really big story that I haven't seen
2: picked up anywhere. And what do we think that means for the Grand Prix? Well, I assume they'll co- they, they will they will do the force majeure and get round it in some way, obviously by borrowing people from the US. But I just don't, I just it's really really strange. I mean, it
0: looks like they've got some arrangement with ACUS in place uh, to ensure that all international events are going to go ahead. Um, but it looks like there's no karting and any Canadian stuff. drivers who don't currently have a license um, will have to apply for an American
2: license. Weird.
5: Very, very strange, that yeah. is. I've, I've got this vision of, they said that they sent an FIA delegate to Canada. I've, I've got this vision of, you know, a French guy getting off an airplane in Toronto and just looking around through all the storm for someone to pick him up. But it's just snow and,
2: you know, a moose walks by. <laughs> you know, it'd be, it'd, be, it'd be like that Leonardo DiCaprio film, wouldn't it? It'd be wandering through the wilderness sleeping in a bear. Yes,
5: Exactly. <laughs> Maybe they're sending him to meet with the bear, because that would be a Canadian delegate. I, I, well,
0: worse still, they could have sent him to Quebec, and he could be trying to speak French to people, and they might <laughs> be trying to speak French back, and
1: having no uh, luck at all. Barely any words matching. Um, yeah. I I, th- th- yep. I think we need to delve into this, and I, I know this is our last show of the year, um, Series 14, Episode four forty-eight. 48, uh, and over five and a half million downloads uh, to the end of last month of Midweek Motorsport this year. So thank you for that. I think we need to delve into this. And the I'm, I'm going to make a few phone calls in the next few days. We won't get back to you until the first uh, week in, second week in January, when by then we'll be in Dubai. But this is something I want to follow up because I'm intrigued
2: to know what has precipitated there's, this. There's a vacancy. Perhaps we can run motorsport in Canada. Perhaps
1: yeah. we could. We've got well,
2: a, we've got a partial Canadian in the team.
1: Well,
5: exactly.
2: I, I think I
1: think Sheer and Bill could run sport in Canada.
5: Could we give it to dad and give him something to do? Yeah. That would be awesome. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, and, fran- and, and
1: Frankly, the people who would be most happy about that was anybody Canadian who didn't
2: have a license and needed one, and your mum. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm probably the FIA.
2: I can see that. Hi, Bill. I know you wanted socks for Christmas. We've got you the whole of Motorsport Canada. That's we, fantastic. We, yes.
0: We've got you an ASN. <laughs> we. <laughs>
2: Which, I'm which, by for
1: for those that don't know, an ASN is Association Sportive Nationale, which is effectively the national <laughs> sporting body of an individual country. So, what used to be called the RAC MSA now, which is now a television programme uh, called Motorsport UK, uh, is uh, is a very now good television it's program. a very good
0: television programme. Yeah, if not as good as staying
1: up in Not as good department. as it was. Not as good as it was. No, not no. as good as when you were on it. No, or me. <laughs> uh, I. I I, I'm I'm stunned by that Tim and well done for picking that up because I haven't seen that anywhere else today and um, that is that is quite a big story you're listening to Midweek Motorsports Series 14 Episode 48, it is the show of the year and uh, we have all of the other categories still to come, our big interview is Vincent Bormenil, he'll be talking hyper car, later on we'll be talking hyper Paul uh, and what's going on Uh, to set the pole position and how the cars will get to Le Mans uh, as well. Also, a change for TGM and Ted Giovannis will be uh, telling us why they've gone to GM instead of AMG. That's all to come later on tonight. But next, Tim Gray, we are going where?
0: Ferrari. Brum.
1: Um,
0: Brum. Matthew (laughs) Binotto. I'm
1: not letting you drink before the show again, (laughs) even the small amount you've had.
0: (laughs) Matty Binotto uh, thinks there's something missing from Ferrari's young driver program.
2: A decent y- driver.
0: Young drivers. A yeah. young
2: driver. A decent driver. got quite a quick. few uh,
0: young drivers. They've got uh, they've got one called Schumacher and one called Alaisy,
2: both of whom are not as good as their dads.
0: Um, they also have uh, one called Schwarzman.
2: He's all right, but he's a couple of years away.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, one called Lot. rubbish. And one called Armstrong.
2: Harsh. Um, on the way up, but not ready yet. So what their mission is is a proven
1: race winner.
2: They're missing someone to slot into Alpha Romeo this year uh, to replace Giovanotti, who's forming. forming. well, the next coming 2020. Season. Yeah. Um, and then obviously they'll definitely want for next year when they do sack him. That's not two. what uh,
0: Binotto it? thinks uh, is missing.
2: What do you is missing then? A woman. I was. Do you know? What? I was just going to say a female. Well, fine. On the sp- on. The, uh, well, why don't Ferrari stick some money into Formula W then and, and, and place a driver?
1: Or better still, why don't they put some money into an up and coming young driver and put, put them, them through for Formula 2? Three.
2: three. Three. Or two. Three first. Or two. Don't you have to do three first these days? Depends. You don't have to. Well, I, thought th- I thought there was a whole thing. I thought they were two. doing a little bit of trying to get the whole ladder in game, weren't they? That's the whole concept now, isn't it? you go got to do the whole ladder. Um, yes, spend some money, find an, you know, find an Italian lady racer. I'm sure there's plenty of really good Italian lady, loads of Italian lady kart racers. Put some cash behind her. Right, we solved that one, move on. Uh, We've
0: cost them less than uh, uh, I cheating think got the on their uh, engines. Benotto, uh, when asked if uh, Schumacher would be, would be the next one to graduate to Formula 1, said, uh, I think next season will be key for him to understand how much he's progressing.
1: So that's a no, then.
2: Well, no, no, Mick Schumacher, in <laughs> fairness to him, um, is a two-year driver. Yes. Uh, his second year in all his class be much better. Also, the other thing about Mick is, you know, everyone thinks, oh, he's, oh, he's so old. But he just, he basically, Mick is actually getting to F1. If, if he did get to F1 in 2021, he'd just do it at the normal level people used to do it at before they're rushed through while they're still a fetus, you know, it's it's ridiculous <laughs> because you know, they be got, what, twenty three next year or something and and uh, twenty four and that's pretty much when you should be thinking about getting F one. I know, you know, seventeen year olds bring their own problems with them, even though that's legal now, you have to be eighteen. Um so there's nothing there's no there's no you know, shame in being twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven when we make it eventually. Don't forget one of our world champions, didn't start he was thirty one, Damon Hill? He older. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. His dad didn't even like a driving license, he was twenty five. And he won twice. I've still got a chance then, is what you said. Realistically, no. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Oh,
1: oh. That can only mean there's another award just around the corner in this show of the year. And this time it's what?
0: It's for non-driver of the year.
1: Right. And the nominations for non-driver of the
0: year were? Uh, They were Scott Atherton. That was your nomination, was it, John? Correct. Uh, Toto Wolf was, was yours, Nick's. Nick. Yes. Uh, Shay, did you go for Roger Penske? Yes. I did. And uh, Johnny went for Julian Brio.
2: Right, go on. Fourth place.
0: In fourth place. Oh, let me open the envelope.
2: I got them. Was this checked by Price Wardhouse, by the way?
0: No, they don't <laughs> do this sort of thing anymore. I'm not allowed <laughs> to. <laughs> no, not after the nightmare? No. Let's not talk about that. Uh, in fourth place, right. it is uh, Julien Brio. Right. Mm-hmm. In third place, mm-hmm. Toto Wolf.
2: Oh, this, is a, this is such a sports come car on. station. Honestly, come on. come on, boys, come on! Pinnacle of It's motorsport.
1: Radio Le Mans for part of the year. What
2: do you think? It's, a it's only Radio Le Mans if for they ten have days. Wheels and it keeps score.
0: All right, Joe. Okay, fine. Uh, the winner.
2: Mm-hmm. Will for second place?
1: Is no.
0: Roger Penske. Oh. Yes.
1: Yes
2: can't argue that. All gets he does that. Is
1: win. Now Roger Penske's teams this year have won in every championship that they've been in. They've won races and they've won championships in the vast majority of them and Roger Penske in addition to that found the time to raise the capital to buy IndyCar, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and everything except the museum that goes with it. Our worthy winner for the non-driver of the year in our show of the year is Roger Penske. And well done to Mr. P. Moving on. Uh, let's
0: go back to the news then.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, BMW yes. has been making some announcements regarding DTM.
2: Deutsche Touring... Masters. I really want to give you the chance because you do love getting your... Um, your, your uh Pronunciation around the whole thing. No, yeah, they've they've, they've announced um,
0: Gerhard Berger's nephew is joining them.
2: <laughs> wonder How that happened? <laughs> how did Lucas Auer get it in the team? What a surprise!
0: He can call on a wealth of experience gained in seventy-three previous races in the touring car series, of which yeah. he's won four. Well,
2: that's that's not bad. Um, well, the other thing they announced was, some, was someone leaving, wasn't it, to go somewhere else?
0: Uh, yeah, we'll come on to that in a moment. Oh, right, sorry. Uh, four other uh, DTM drivers have been uh, confirmed. They are two-time champion Marco Wittmann.
2: Well done, Marco.
0: Sheldon van der Linde.
5: Oh, okay. Yeah, Sheldon.
0: <laughs> Timo Glock.
5: <Ba-de-ching! laughs>
0: and the man with the name that's too small, Philip Eng. Fili- Bang- Joel Erickson will no longer be in action in the BMW M4 DTM, says a statement.
2: I didn't know he was in action, to be honest.
0: Uh, He contested 37 races and uh, took victory at Misano in 2018, uh, with three podium appearances in total. Uh, He's now racing in the Asian Le Mans series. Okay. Uh, and BMW say they will announce at a later date who will take his place in the DTM. Oh. I'd like to thank uh, Joe Lokeson for the great cooperation over the past two years in the DTM. I wish him uh, all the best for the future, says Jens Markart. Head
1: of BMW Motorsport.
2: And they've been testing Robert Kubica, haven't they?
1: Yes. Uh, so. so
0: that's that. Yeah. Um, News of Bruno Spengler alongside that, of course. He's another former BMW DTM driver.
2: He's gone across Jeez. the pond. to de-
5: Over to Shea. That's where he's gone. He's, he's coming back home. Uh, Canadian.
3: Actually, and he won't he have a license. He won't a have license. a license. That's,
1: they, <laughs> exactly. that's why they can't make him race.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Very good. Tying the stories together.
5: Uh, just just like magic. Um, yeah, BMW with another one of their DTM is it fair to call him a castaway? Because they've, they've taken him out of that role. But they've
0: retained him within him. the BMW family, haven't they?
5: Yeah, but he's not the first person that they've taken out of DTM to run an IMSA. And the last three that I can think of, Andy Prio, uh, who actually did all right in IMSA, Martin Tomchak, and then lastly, Tom Blankfest, the last two struggled for a little while to try and get up to pace with the M8 GTLM. Um, and before that, the M6. But the, ultimately, both drivers finding a little bit of success. Blomqvist didn't really get on his feet very much over the course of this season. A lot of fourth place and even more seventh place finishes before finally making it to the podium in the last round. But BMW announcing their plans for their full season lineup, and Bruno Spengler joining Conardi Felipe in the 25 all year.
0: Moving on. Formula E Holdings has undergone some uh, staff changes.
2: Do you know what? If you say so, Tim.
0: Uh, Abruptly leaving the business, uh, Yanni Andriopoulos, the commercial director, who's been in in the the role for two years. Okay. Uh, He had previously been working for AEG, the Swedish entertainment company. Okay. And uh, Jerome Ike who is the Chief Marketing Officer. He'd been in position for a year.
2: Blimey, that's not very long, is it?
0: Um, and reported uh, directly to the new CEO uh, on marketing, content creation, media rights, and merchandising strategy.
2: Obviously, didn't they weren't seeing eye to eye, then.
0: No. So, uh, two, two people disappearing there. We've got a lot
1: of IMS and years to come tonight, Cher. Yes. Has some of that in... Uh, later on this evening.
2: later on. In later on, <laughs> In In later
1: later on, on. yes. yes.
0: Uh, we've also got some Bathurst news as well. Oh, excellent. Yes, that will, will oh. be excellent. Uh, but first, we've got some uh, domestic British news. Oh, so do we? Yes, and uh, not good news, I'm afraid. Oh, no? Ooh. No. Uh, because this regards... Uh, the plan to close Birmingham Wheels Park.
1: Oh, really?
0: With the loss of 200 jobs.
2: Hasn't that moved on even today?
0: And uh, joining us to talk about this from uh, Birmingham is our Midlands correspondent, Johnny Palmer.
4: (laughs) Good evening, everybody. I'm not in Birmingham. I'm in the black country. Are you live, Johnny? Yes, he's there. I can hear him. I'm here. Merry Christmas, Johnny. Hello, (laughs) J.P. Merry Christmas to you, Nick. Good uh, evening, everybody. So Obviously, Merry it's Christmas the, to one and all.
0: It's the big awards show tonight, Johnny. We're all dressed up smartly. What are you wearing?
4: Uh, well, I've gone for the full tux and, uh, and cravat.
0: Excellent.
1: Excellent. Very Excellent. good. And who's that by? Who are you wearing?
4: Uh, I have no idea.
1: Uh-huh. Look at the, the label. If it says Marks and Spencers, we don't really need to know.
2: You some
4: Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I've done well to sew my name in the collar, so uh, I'm going further than
1: that. <laughs> J. Palmer
0: Esquire. Excellent. Very good. That's right. Very good. That'd be J. Palmer BA. Honours. Very good.
4: Uh, maybe not the honours bit, but I got the Shuff. BA. <laughs> uh, anyway. I've flown
1: on British Airways as well, but I don't get that behind my name.
0: Tell us about Birmingham wheels. Uh,
4: this, this is actually... Uh, news to me today and uh, I'm grateful to, to one or two other people for actually bringing this up it's, it, it's just a terrible time for sure. oval racing lately because uh, Coventry's gone in the last three years Wimbledon went what year before last uh, Tim and I were at the final meeting at Wimbledon Stadium um, Arena Essex went the back end of last year yep. Stoke's gone this year and now Birmingham and, and to, together with Bellevue in Manchester both appear to be on the brink Um, Birmingham's struggled for a number of years I mean probably all the way back to uh, that's one of the places I started commentating uh, what 2003 and from that kind of mid 2000 mid noughties era there's been threat from redevelopers from uh, Birmingham City Football Club because St Andrews really isn't very far away they wanted to build a big training facility on it Um, it is losing money but the crucial thing is it's still a city centre sporting venue, yes, which provides not only stock car racing but also there's a there's a karting track where I mean Nigel Mansell's raced there, Lewis Hamilton's raced there in the past. There's uh, there's also um, a, a scheme to get uh, prisoners or um, uh, um, people that are you know have done bad things trying to get them back on the straight and narrow. There's also a safety scheme in terms of. Uh, fire service I think use that area to cut cars up and try and you know rescue people uh, as a practice mechanism yes. there's even a speed skating ice rink there as well which i didn't i didn't know so it's a multi-purpose venue right and if it were to go it's my understanding that Birmingham city council have to provide an alternative sporting area because if I think if this was an athletics stadium or it was a football club or a cricket ground yeah There'd be massive uproar, but there seems to be, this seems to be completely different when motorsports involved.
1: The thing is, Johnny, that all of these venues down through the years have taken on a massive part uh, of uh, of their uh, time as given over to the community in those commun- type community things that you're you're talking about, and it's happened with car circuits uh, as well to a certain extent. Um, the, the problem being that a lot of these places now as um, cities have expanded they've sort of, they've become prime development land haven't they that's what happened at Walthamstow as well
4: wasn't it yes and no I get that because uh, it's uh, I mean HS2 and other de- major developments in the city of Birmingham are making the whole place as a collective uh, much better and without wishing to be unkind it is in a bit of a run down area off the city Landor Street used to be well known for, for cruisers, uh, and you know a bit of sort of untoward activity. And actually, wheels prov- provided them a place to to race their road cars in a more safe environment. But yes, as the city expands and takes over the less well-to-do areas, then these sites are going to be primed for either extending the industrial area, which is big time, in that. Part of the city or for houses mm. i suppose but, uh, it's also not a great time for birmingham wheels anyway because uh, sadly the last meeting that took place there uh, colin north who was a mo- motorsport sponsor there to present trophies that night was very sadly killed yes by a tractor which uh, it, that made the bbc news at the time and the meeting was cancelled that n- night obviously down to respect of, th- of th- that whole situation Two more meetings, the Champion of Champions, which normally brings the the season to a close, was cancelled, and now they've just announced, the promoters who are in Coray slash Speedworth, announced that the New Year's Day meeting, which has been traditional for, what, 30-odd years, is now not going to happen either. So fixture list very much on hold, and I I think the message from the council is they're going to close the gates on the 31st of January next year. So uh, it's all happened very, very suddenly. It's difficult to read between... I mean, there's a lot of stuff been written by, say, Birmingham Wheels, which is obviously quite partisan. Yeah. Birmingham City Council aren't saying a great deal, and that, to me, is to their detriment, because they're just not talking to anybody. Mm. And I think the least that people want is some sort of discourse about this.
1: Johnny, this is happening against the backdrop of Birmingham being the host city for the next Commonwealth Games, which is athletics... Uh, based and and it's a big deal it's a very big deal indeed it's this is the uh, the uh, tournament that uh, effectively gave manchester city their current stadium um, because that was that was the main uh, stadium for the the commonwealth games when it was in manchester so birmingham is spending a lot on other sports as the commonwealth games is due to come around so there's a bit of a disconnect there, is there not? That
4: that was a huge announcement that the, the Commonwealth Games would be coming to the second city in 2022. And yeah, plans are, well, the very next day that that announcement came out, the, 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 the thing, things about transport links, about uh, things to do in the evenings when you're not watching sport and and, and then upgrading stadia that's already in place. I think yes. Villa Park's definitely going to be part of that. There's the Alexander... Um, Athletic Stadium and other areas too. I mean, I think purpose-built areas too. Um, so, yes, it, it goes against that message of come come visit Birmingham because we are mad on sport, and then they're just going to close the doors on this place and put the final nails in the coffin. It, it, it sends very mixed messages, um, and there's a lot more, I think, to come out mm. of this from Birmingham City Council, and as I say, they, they need to issue some sort of statement. Um, but everybody, you know, in my circle of friends that want the place desperately to stay are, are pushing the petition that's online and also issuing statements. I mean, Philip Bond from, say, Birmingham Wheels, I used to work for him, mm-hmm. um, and he talks a lot of sense. Uh, and if you read that statement that's floating around on Twitter, you know, it's, it is pretty one-sided. But I can only expect that a lot of the state, a lot of the, uh, the, the things uh, presented as fact in that statement have been well researched. Yes. Uh, Johnny Birmingham Wheels, when I oh, yeah.
1: f- first started working with indoor karting up in the northeast <laughs> years ago, uh, and and various other. That was before uh,
0: you were born, Johnny.
1: Obviously before you were born, Johnny, um, and various other outdoor karting circuits as far a- away from the northeast as, as Bradford and further afield even. Than that, Birmingham, Wales was one of the first multi-purpose motorsport venues that had that community part to it. So, I I mean, for that to be, I was going to say under threat, but even more than that, they were they were really the first people to embrace being totally part of the community and having those outreach for. Car, th- car theft uh, rehabilitation programmes, the police, local police got involved, all of that kind of stuff. I, I'm, I'm absolutely... That's the second time tonight I've been stunned by a story. That's an extraordinary thing.
4: It's an institution that's... Yes. ...40 years old or, yes. or possibly more. And, and, you know, I was surprised to learn that 200 people in either full or part-time jobs have, have those jobs now at risk. But that shows you that it is a, it's a seven-day-a-week facility. You know, I'm just talking about the odd stock car meeting that happens on a Saturday night, uh, you know, which I have frequented many times. But the karting track is, as far as I know, seven days a week. Have At least six. Yeah, oh, it's a great track. Mm-hmm. I, I I, have done a kind of, you know, a sort of rock-up-and-drive and, and session and uh, remember it being very challenging. mm mm-hmm. Um, But it's held very high-profile events, as you are talking about, too. And as I say, some big names have gone through there. I wouldn't be surprised on the stock car track that that, uh, a number of years ago now, people like Martin Brundle will have raced there, Derek Warwick probably raced there, Mike Jordan in Formula One stock cars. And most of the Armco around that place has actually come from the Birmingham Super Prix, would you believe? Because when they tore all that track down, uh, there was some brand-new Armco pretty much going spare. So there's a bit of history as well. Um, it's not much to look at. They've never been able to invest a great deal because it's always been rented, and it's been rented on a kind of twelve-month basis, if you like, you know, a rolling contract. But when there's a when there's a big F1 stock car meeting in town, you get in eight to ten thousand people in there, and you know you hear the cars from a great distance. So it, it will be a chunk of uh, of Birmingham's history going with it as well. Not to mention the things that it's done for the community, as you talk about, the probation service car projects and, and then this practice that I'm talking about for Westmillers police and also the fire service too. Um, and then there's, a, there's there's the off-road track. Yes. Uh, there's, there's the speed skating place as well. But, you know, there's all sorts going on there and it would be a real shame for the whole lot to go.
1: Keep us in touch with that, JP, please, if you would, uh, because that's something that we need to follow. And again, bad time of the year for us, this being our last show of the year but we will try and get somebody from Birmingham Council on to talk about that in the new year and find out what the thought process is behind that. Johnny Palmer joining us uh, from uh, the black country talking about Birmingham wheels which appears to be disappearing and there will be a lot of people in the UK heading hands for that at the moment. The sound in the background means it's time for another award to be made. We found out that the Porsche 911 RSR the current version uh, that it has been racing in IMSA uh, has won the car of the year Roger Penske has won the non-driver of the year what's the next category Tim? Uh, the next
0: category is race of the year and uh, Johnny Palmer I know, has been listening will be very disappointed that neither of his nominations uh, won in either of those two categories maybe he can get uh, better luck with race of the year the nominees were uh, from John Heintoff the Barcelona 24 hours from Nick Damon the German Grand Prix <laughs>
1: German Formula One Grand Prix, that was,
0: by the way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Shea Adam, the Six Hours of the Glen. Mm, good choice. And yeah. from Johnny Palmer,
1: the Bathurst, 12 Hours. Oh, also a very, very good choice. And there's a great meme on the uh, on the new Star Wars film, that uh, movie... That, TV show. Oh, uh, the new TV show that uh, Dex, among others, has, uh, has tweeted out today with a small character of the Yoda... Breed, Breed. <laughs> Switching on to Crilley and I doing the opening commentary from the twelve hours of Bathurst. Uh, four you're, choices. You're
0: digressing. I've already half opened the envelope. Can Open you it. Keep yes,
6: going, keep I, was, going. I was filling. Rip it apart. Part. Uh,
0: in fourth place, the Barcelona twenty four hours. Oh, disaster!
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm
2: Only sorry, six that's percent
0: right. of the. Uh, of He's the very
2: vote. exhausted. now with the percentages. Mm.
0: In third place. The Six Hours of the Glen.
2: Oh! I oh. Second again, I?
0: Yeah. And winner of Race of the Year is the Bathurst 12 Hours. <sighs>
1: Johnny Palmer's choice. Another cracking race on the mountain, the Liqui Molly Bathurst 12 Hours, which comes around in not too long a time, and we're bringing you uh, live <laughs> coverage for that as well. Three awards, you've all won one, none for me. Well, that's the fourth yet, one to still, come. Yes. That means we, three haven't, more. we haven't had a double winner yet
0: still three more of those main awards and uh, the choosing. listener awards still to come as well i'm going
2: to start choosing these rooms.
1: just a, just a couple of quick uh, <laughs> tweets coming in aspect retirement and we are live so so do that please uh, right turn lover says uh, Has ericsson gone from bmw what about Blomqvist? or is there a scandal vanishing theme i like that uh, and Fernando de Silva says, "Is there still time to vote for Johannes in races two and three in the WTCR finale as the performances of the year? He was very good, wasn't he? Very good indeed. Did anyone ever see race three? Uh, I, I saw the highlights of it because it wasn't actually wasn't televised. It actually properly. Wasn't shown on the US sports. Uh, the highlights were shown. Uh, don't even go there. They have messed <laughs> up so much."
0: Last uh, weekend, so Bathurst one wins race of the year. Yep. and uh, oddly enough, we're talking about Bathurst next, are we? Because,
1: Yay! <laughs> <laughs> aren't you just uh, with with Shay? Adam so,
0: Shay's just happy to talk about anything. Uh, is abs- she's just, I
1: love isn't she just supposed to say hello? Yeah,
0: Absolute racing is to make his uh, debut in the 2020 Bathurst 12 Hours mm-hmm. uh, in Porsche with
5: 911 GT3R.
1: Unbelievable driver lineup, share.
5: Yes. Yeah, so Matty Campbell, the hero of the race of the year, as voted on by the collective, mm. will be joined by Jam Jam Matthew Jaminet.
1: Now a full works driver.
5: Correct. And Patrick pele who's making his debut at the mountain, so that's going to be driving one of the two cars. I believe that one is the yellow and black Porsche. And so share Patrick Payliff, the uh,
1: uh not as a, an IMSA works driver this year. So is this is one of his works outings then?
5: Correct. His full-season assignment is the ICGT. So this is the debut of that championship for wow. Patrick okay. in terms of a full season. And in the second in the,
1: car, the black and yellow car? Uh,
5: the black and green car. Uh, yes, yeah, sorry. There is Dirk Werner. So again, coming back to the mountain, he ran with Earl Bamber Motorsports last year, joined by Thomas Prining, who is hmm. super fast. And it's it's interesting to see him placed in this role with all the full-fledged factory drivers. Well,
1: he was then, he was a he was a factory-supported driver a couple of seasons ago and ran in the correct. Super Cup as here uh, in Hungary, two or three two seasons ago on a race correct. that I commentated on for Sky F1, and he was there as a guest, and, and he
3: has he been
1: messed in up. Black. Well, he messed up and took out Ooh. one of the. Uh, as a guest, he took out one of the championship contenders, which I think was rather frowned on. Very highly thought of Thomas Prining, Austrian uh, by birth, if I remember rightly, uh, and good to see that he has has come back into favor then at Porsche Motorsport.
5: Well, he's been racing with golf Racing in WEC, mm. so he's been in and out of that Porsche quite a few times. um But it's interesting that he's joined by Matteo Caroli, the Italian driver who was overlooked as joining the factory squad. So Jam Jam got the nod. Cairoli didn't, which put a lot of puzzling looks on people's faces because that uh, didn't transpire. But he is going to be in that car with Dirk Werner and Thomas, so that's going to be a very good combination. Again, two pretty much full factory effort Porsches, And we're still waiting to find out if Earl Bamber Motorsports is going to run again. We assume that they are. And then how many cars they're going to have and who's going to be in those cars. I'm hearing rumors that one of the cars might actually be a Pro-Am effort, which would be a big switch from last year.
1: If we move away from Porsche, but stay with the Lickman Molly Bathurst 12 hours, Aston Martin back at the mountain with our Motorsport, who are in uh, inseparable with Aston Martin and AMR now and a reasonable driver lineup.
5: Yeah, not too bad. Uh, think about how well they did last year. They were the surprise of the race by far. Nobody really expected them Jake to be Jake Dennis in particular. Strong. Jake Dennis coming back. Uh, there was pole position for this car last year. They got the coveted Alan Simonson trophy. Coming back with a big sponsor on the side of the car, they've got Castrol and those beautiful green, white, and red colors. And they've thrown in Rick Kelly for good measure. And then they found this guy. He runs under a New Zealand flag, but he's never raced at Bathurst before. That would be Scott Dixon joining them Mm. for this campaign.
1: That's a stellar lineup. And will they be bringing the, the new vantage to the mountain for the first time?
5: I would think so, because it is clear to go pictures of the one that they were testing in the livery was definitely a new one.
1: Right. Okay. so that because, of course, with it being with it running so early in the year, the the, new car wasn't homologated for that race. Uh, for 2019 ok that's our Bathurst news we'll have more from Cher. Uh we've got some Rolex news some more Imsa news to come uh, some Corvette news that's just broken today and a Corvette competition all still to come in the second half of the programme it's Series 14, Episode 48 it's our show of the year Tim Gray is our Executive Producer up in London and at 5 minutes before 9 in the UK you have what for us Tim? he has nothing for us Tim? <laughs> it's all gone horribly wrong Hello, Tim. Okay, well, I I wonder if we've got time to do some Rolex news. Although Tim did say that he wanted that in the second half of tonight's show uh, this evening. I'll tell you what, whilst we're waiting for Tim to come back, uh, we'll have some tweets. Kevin Payne has just tweeted, very sad to hear about Birmingham Wheels. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people will as well. I'm not sure whether Aston Villa are getting any money for Birmingham Council for the Commonwealth Games. Um, I, I'm not sure whether they get any money, but they're certainly looking at some redevelopment at uh, at Villa Park uh, as well. Tim, are you back with us? I am indeed. All right, a few. You're still talking about Bathurst? No, we we finished, and then I threw to you, and you, you weren't said, there. And I you panicked.
0: Said I went to get some ice cream. You said there was lots of Bathurst news. <laughs> yeah. Where would you like to go next? Well, I'd like to eat my ice cream, please. Right, but, uh, so what would you like us to do, then? <laughs> 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 so have we got time for some Rolex news, then? Uh, not not at this point, no. Right. Uh, let's move on to this. <laughs> oh, that was loud, wasn't it? Uh, we, could, we can uh, open another envelope. Uh, and what category is this, then? Uh, let's take a look at the running order. Where should we be now?
5: Best ice cream flavor?
0: Team of the year. Team of the I'm
2: not winning this one. Here's the, here's the four...
1: Team of the Year. Now, don't forget, all of these were suggested by our uh, our contributors, but voted on by you. voting closed last night at a midnight UK time. And the four nominees for Team of the Year for 2019 were... Uh,
0: were uh, Penske, which I think was that yours, was John. That was yes. Penske time. for
1: everything, not a specific Penske team, just because they did so well.
0: Uh. There was also Lusich Racing. That was uh, Johnny's. Johnny, yeah. Porsche. That That was was me.
1: That was Porsche North America team. Yes. Yeah. And Mercedes F1. Which was Nick. And the winner, oh, sorry. And the voting goes like this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) In fourth place, Lusich Racing. Right. Uh, ELMS champions, but uh, not able to... Uh, Pick up the votes here.
1: No, Uh, lost their leader as well. I believe in that. uh, Not in third
0: place, and this was really close. There was only one percent, less than one percent, between third and second. In third place, Porsche. Oh, right. And the winner of Team of the Year 2019 is. Mercedes Formula One.
3: Oh, there you go. No double winners. No
1: no double winners, you see. (coughs) Uh,
0: And to answer uh, Shay's question, which (coughs) I'm not sure if she did ask or not, right, about ice cream flavours. She did. I have uh, one scoop of honeycomb, one scoop of bakewell tart, and one scoop of black currant cheesecake.
5: Interesting. Mm.
0: Right, that That seems reasonable. It's very reasonable. Mm. Uh, Let's go back to sports cars. Yeah, what do you want next? Uh, Because I have some news from the European Le Mans series. Yep, fireware. And this is from United Autosports, Right. Who have announced uh, your friend Eutert will join their LMP2 team for 2020. And pending an entry invitation, we'll also race for them at the Le Mans 24 Hours. He'll race alongside Alex Brundle and Will Owens in the Orica 07 uh, in the series that starts at Barcelona. Yeah.
3: Uh,
1: this is uh, probably one of the least well kept uh, secrets, uh, but good news uh, for Jop van Aertet, who has been a very good, uh, has been carving out a decent, very decent. Career for himself, and he's got a bit of momentum going, Nick, as well. People know his name, mm-hmm. uh, and I think this is a solid move for him.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He's a—he must be very impressive. He, he, he came to my attention certainly um, in Le Mans, and he put in an excellent performance there. Is he? And, and he's a—he's a very good little speedy peddler, but Another fast Dutchman. Of course, it's very hard for Dutchmen to uh, get any real uh, traction in the world with uh, Max Verstappen kind of claiming all the column inches over there.
1: Yes, he is Dutch motorsport uh, at the moment, isn't he? Mm. Um, that seems very... OK, so... Job
0: is uh, one of the nominees in uh, a Young Driver of the Year category as well, which we'll be unveiling in uh, less than half an hour's time. Oh, oh
1: Excellent. Right. Very, well good. very good. Very uh, good. Uh, uh, sorry, go on, go ahead, Tim. Bit delay there.
0: Uh, no, uh, I was just going to say uh, three more categories to unveil. And lots more still to come in the second half of tonight's show. Midweek Motorsport,
4: where we're only halfway.
1: So still coming to hour two of tonight's programme, our show of the year, as well as the remaining categories to be announced, including the prestigious Man of the Year and, of course, the Listener Award. We will have... Uh, An update from IMSA with Shea Adam with all the latest IMSA news, including the updates uh, on the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona. And on the phone joining us will be Ted Giovannis of TGM, Ted Giovannis Motorsport. And he'll be telling us all about their recent decision to move to Chevy Racing for the Michelin Pilot Challenge for 2020 season more of your tweets please on our winners and i think you'll be talking about the Maybe next bit we as well on rs1 let's move on to our big interview i think you'll have a lot to say about this uh, last week caught up with the aco sporting director von son uh, he's the man who's had to put all of the hypercar regulations together he was on the telephone and first i asked him how we got to this place where has hypercar come from what's the philosophy behind them
7: yeah so as you know we, we started to work on this regulation uh, uh, quite a long time ago this, this was the uh, i would say the continuation of the end of an era which was the lmp1 hybrid cars, uh, and especially when uh, porsche decided to pull out we quickly realized that uh, we had to to restart from a new uh, base uh, especially regarding the cost that that had reached at that time uh, very far too high levels, and it was really our responsibility to to, to work uh, on a new set of rules with our partner uh, the FIA together. So we have started a pro- process on that time with uh, 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 several uh, main targets uh, uh, in order to to provide a, a new platform. Uh, uh, top class of WEC and Le Mans, uh, for the interest of the fans obviously and also uh, that would create some interest to the manufacturers. The, these principles at that time were uh, basically uh, not so many but very strong ones. Uh, the first one was to reduce massively the cost uh, because the, the, the level that was reached by LMP1 at that time was clearly became unreasonable and unaccessible for any new manufacturer. So we had to make this platform again accessible to new competitors. Uh, The second point was that we wanted to really uh, uh, open a new direction that, especially for the fans and the media interest, uh, in order to um, create a real incentive to have uh, very exciting cars in, term, in terms of design and look. If you look at the LMP1 cars how they are there today, we have to say that they all look the same. I believe if we would paint all the LMP1 cars on white, it would be probably difficult to to know which brand is it. And we wanted really that people when they see a car, they immediately say, this is a Toyota, this is an Aston Martin. I can by the shape, by the design. I can recognize this car, and this is something that is familiar to me. And and for us, it was very important to be able to bring this back in this top category.
1: In the previous set of regulations at Vinson, the the LMP1 hybrid regulations, they were extremely technical. Uh, They forced the manufacturers uh, to develop uh, technologies, which, in fairness... um, I don't think we realised it at the time when we first watched it, but it forced the manufacturers to develop technologies which have become very, very relevant for their road cars. And both Porsche and Audi have benefited from their their battery technology that they they, uh, proved and then refined in LMP1 hybrid. Are you looking to the hypercar regulations also to... Uh, to push the manufacturers into uh, a development side of the sport that will, again, have relevance to their road cars? Or is or, or is, that, is that part of that thing that you talked about, about becoming too expensive?
7: Well, for sure, it, it still makes parts of the game. Um, uh, the manufacturers, uh, to, to, to come to the hypercar category, they will still need to, uh, to, um, to uh, provide a high technical level. It, it's still the top class of the World Championship and Le Mans, So, you know, it means something. Uh, and, and we, we kept th- that level. What, what, uh, uh, and of course, as you know, you can still enter a car with hybrid technology. But in the same time, I would say in parallel of what you can see in the industry, when you introduce new technologies, you cannot do it at whatever the cost is you the, the financial aspect makes, makes part of the technical challenge. So we are introducing in that in the parallel, and also we are monitoring things uh, differently in order to prevent manufacturers to, to spend a, a, a massive amount of money in very small details that will make the difference in terms of performance. Because clearly... This, in the end, we realized that it doesn't necessarily bring something to the industry. And also, it's something that nobody sees. I mean, the, all these very expensive details that we have developed from these very expensive cars, in the end, was giving an advantage to someone. But the fans, the media, nobody could see that. So it was really massive money spent for nothing. So we wanted to stop that. But you still have the chance to, 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 to build a very... Uh, competitive car, very powerful, very fast, uh, 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 and to make it reliable and efficient. So, th- for sure, we kept the challenges, but they are more uh, integrated in the frame that makes it more relevant to, with the reality of the, uh, I would say, with the economical reality. Uh,
1: yeah, which is key. Uh, and already, of course, Peugeot. your um surprised us all i think by seeing that they would like to be involved in this in this new category Uh, you've left choices open though and i think this is one of the great things about these new regulations is we all know that endurance racing and sports car racing one of the great things of it is is the variety and even in this new category uh, you have left Choices you have left options for for the teams, uh, for the constructors, uh, for the manfa- manufacturers. It can be based on a road car, but it doesn't have to be. It can have a full race chassis, which could have a a hybrid system or not. And the same for the road car. Uh, the the thinking behind that, Vonson, just to again, just to give people those options to make it relevant and cost effective to them.
7: Well, uh, for sure. Uh, the, the rules have been written like that clearly to, to be more incitative than restrictive. So uh, the idea is that we are capping some key parameters of performance, which is aerodynamics and the engine performance. And then you can develop a car with many different options, uh, whatever is the engine you want, the shape of car, the design you want to adopt. Uh, uh, and we can guarantee with that that there will be a close competition without having uh, to, 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 to expand uh, a huge amount of money. It's still a very high level competition because you need to have a very good setup, a very good strategy, very good drivers, and you need to run a perfect race. So the challenge remains the same. But we open the platform to a much wider uh, 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 field of potential competitors. And, and, and clearly, uh, yes, it, it was really uh, a key approach to have this diversity of car because yes. we many people come to see us and I see I have something which is a, makes the identity of my company which is very strong, very specific to my company, and they think that joining this platform they can show or demonstrate that instead of going in a in a very restricted, technically restricted uh, 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 regulation. Where everybody has the uh, same engines and very similar uh, uh, shape of cars.
1: That's great for us as spectators and enthusiasts at Vonsont, but you're not making your own job any easier because ultimately, to get the show, to get the competition, you guys are going to have to work out some kind of formula to balance performance between potentially four different types of hypercar, competition cars that are hybrid or non-hybrid, and road-based cars, non-hybrid and hybrid. And for the first year at least, you'll also have the current LMP1 cars, hybrid and non-hybrid as well. Mike, you don't believe in making things easy for yourself?
7: Mm. Well, we are do- not doing this job to make our life easy. We are making the job to make to make this platform uh, uh, exciting for our fans. Now, what I want to say is really, we have developed such a high level of uh, process and technical approach on balancing performance of cars that today we have a very efficient system. And I, we can use one example, which is the GTE Pro category. Today, uh, what is important to keep in mind is that This system is completely automatic. So before the season, the FIA, the ACO, and all the manufacturers are sitting around the table to agree on all the technical, technical parameters that will be addressed and considered in order to manage the performance of the car. At the time, this is agreed, and this has definitely to be agreed before the first race. Then the race starts, and during the race, the our, all, all our data uh, 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 equipment uh, all the, the 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 data we collect on the car and that we get from keeping, all these data is go in a computer and the computer will make the 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 the, the balance of performance for the next race on the parameters that have been defined previously by the race. so there is no possibility to do politics or whatever it's completely automatic and uh, managed exactly in the same way for everybody. So in the end, it makes, it makes it completely fair, but allows in the same time that we have everybody very close without having to spend millions to recover all the time, uh, uh, which is obviously not relevant anymore in motorsport. Uh, th-
1: that works very well, as you said, within classes. This new hypercar class, of course, changes the spread of times within The four categories, let's call it, uh, in ACO racing being LMP1, as we call it now, um, uh, 2020, it will become a hypercar, LMP2, GTE Pro and GTE Am. Do you envisage having to make big changes to LMP2 performance levels and indeed even GTE uh, pros, uh, p- performance levels in order to keep the performance differential between each of the categories.
7: Well, we will use uh, we always use Le Mans as a, the reference for performance uh, of all the classes. Uh, so um, we 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 the, the, the hypercar in, in their first years will be slower than the current LMP1. It's not a big big slowdown. Line. It's really a uh you, you must keep in mind that in the 70s, the ACU has dropped the performance of the top, top class by 30 seconds per lap in one year. So this was a massive uh, one. Uh, we don't do that anymore. So we speak about uh, six, seven, eight seconds in Le Mans. Uh, and, and from there, uh, we have to drop down a little bit the LNP2 performance that we will do. So uh, we speak about four, five seconds in Le Mans. So... When you say four, or five seconds in Le Mans, it's between one and two seconds on a normal F1 track. You know, so it's really not not big, uh, uh, and this will help us to keep the, the, the all the categories together. We don't need to, to touch the GT performance at the moment. It's not uh, it's not needed.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah, because because they aren't close enough to current LMP2. Times. Exactly. Yes, okay, yeah, uh, un- yeah. Un- understand. Um, right, I- I'm very aware of how much of your time we're taking up, so let's do a couple of uh, of quickies for us. One of the things that a lot of our listeners have, have noticed from looking at the regulations, Vincent, is um, there is specific mention of rotary engines. Now, I'm not sure that rotary engines were ever banned by the ACO, but it's been a long time since I've seen the word rotary in ACO regulations. Do we read anything into that in particular? <laughs>
7: No, uh, I mean, yeah, with the previous LMP1 rules, uh, it was uh, uh, a more standard uh, uh, engine architecture that was enforced and Rotary engine was not making part of it. uh, As we wanted to have this platform accessible for a maximum uh, 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 kind of technologies, clearly with the way we manage the rules and we monitor the engine performance, it was not an issue to have rotary engines eligible, so we had no reason to to keep them out longer. So hopefully, uh, I would be very happy to have rotary engines racing back at Le Mans.
1: I hope Mazda are listening to that very carefully, von Sons. <laughs> 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 and I do notice for those of a technical. Uh, 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 a predilection by the way there are some very interesting um, allowances for rotary engines in the the metallurgy and the uh, materials that are allowed uh, for a rotary engine uh, which promotes some of the new rotary engine technology which is proving that the AC are keeping very much abreast uh, of that um just quick th- yes, very good. I did hey, you know, I did read these things, I promise um, they, mm-hmm. just looking at one or two of the the other things, again, not massive detail there 's a, a very large section in there which may or may not meet the final regulations, meet the final regulations about defining what oil is and what oil does. I presume that that has come out of the similar regulations from Formula One, where you guys want to make sure that the only thing that is providing power inside the the cylinders is the fuel that you regulate anywhere, and that's why that section is in there, whether or not it makes it to the final regulations.
7: It's, that's the spirit, but uh, obviously uh, it's difficult for me to enter in all these details because it's really a, a, a job of an uh, engine specialist, but that that's the idea behind.
1: And, and Vonsant, when will we see a final, final version of these regulations? Clearly what's on FIA.com at the moment, there is, there is some language in there, including the, the title of the, the class that isn't, isn't final. The next World Motorsport Council meeting, I believe, is the 6th of March at the Geneva Motor Show. Would you hope to have everything uh, sorted by then to present to WMSC for rectification?
7: Well, uh, what was uh, voted in December is the final text. But as you know, uh, regulations always uh, go through some fine-tuning processes uh, 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 before the championship starts, even a few weeks before, and even during the life of the championship. So you will never have a completely final uh, text. But the one you have here is, is, uh, I would say... uh, uh, 95%, uh, in, in any case, it gives to the manufacturers far enough to build their cars. But then for sure, as we will introduce, uh, some monitoring of, uh, performance parameters, balance of performance and all these, these things, for sure, there are still some, uh, some, things that needs to be agreed between FIA, and and, uh, ACU and the manufacturers.
1: Yeah, and, we, and, and clearly we need to have a look at some sporting regulations as well um, and they will need to be finalised. I know you uh, gave some um, gave some clarification uh, about how many people's allowed to work on the car, for example. That's much more of a sporting regulation than a, a, than a, a technical yeah. regulation. Um, and also some, te- some uh, clarification about what is a brand and what isn't a brand. Having read the regulations now, uh, it, it seems to me that, again, you're leaving that as open as possible. And anybody who thinks that you're trying to get rid of privateer entries, I'm, I'm not sure that's correct, to be honest, Von Sant.
7: You have, you have perfectly, perfectly understood the, the target of this rule. Of course, uh, priorities are more than welcome. I think it provides to them a great opportunity to uh, have uh, an exciting program and attract uh, more partners. And obviously, uh, as you read, the criteria to uh, define and approve a brand of the car racing in endurance we will be left at the, uh, at the discretion of the endurance commission. And this is clearly a way not to enter in complex definitions of production with volumes or whatever. It's really something that is more to incitate yes. than to restrict.
1: Yes, and, and that clearly is the overall philosophy uh, of these regulations. You have left the door open for current LMP 1 hybrids and non-hybrids for at least the 20 to 21 season. Do you envision having to open that up longer than that, Von or do you think just the first year will be enough?
7: Yeah, first year, uh, basically what we especially uh, want to give the possibility to non-hybrid private teams to continue for one year with their cars. Uh, we don't expect hybrid cars for sure because Toyota is building a an hypercar, Vincent, and it's
1: for one season. Vincent, thank you very much indeed. Uh, it's been—I know this has been a, a, a tremendous task because uh, it's never easy to try and please all of the people all of the time. But I think you've come up, uh, you and your team, uh, in association with the the FIA, you've come up with a, a set of regulations that gives the broadest possible base. Which is great news for all of us who are endurance fans and, and really ensures the continu- continuation of the variety that we all love.
7: Thank you very much. I'm very happy to hear that. I, I really um, I think for us, you know, our everyday job, the only target we have is to provide what our fans want. So very happy to hear that.
0: That's on talking to us over the weekend. Now, John, what do you get if you pour pints and pints of Red Bull into Robert's Kibitza?
1: Well, hang on, we need to talk about what... Um, Answer the question. Uh, no clue. Nick?
2: Not I've no idea.
0: Shay? Mm, nope, sorry. You get a hyper pole.
1: Oh. oh, yeah, very good. <laughs> Too good. <laughs> Too good. <laughs> I'm
0: wasted on this programme.
1: <laughs> yeah, you are. Um, let's talk about what we've just heard from Vincent Uh Stephen Lloyd says, quite looking forward to the 2020 uh, WEC, listening to the new regs. You can't deny, Nick, there's going to be variety in 2020. One, two or three potential hypercar uh uh, uh, entries on the first year, possibly possibly more um, but plenty of variety for those who want to give it a go not restrictions, possibilities is what is what von sont was saying.
2: Well, they're trying not to say no to anybody or anything at the moment because they're trying to get as big an entry as possible. Which is, which is, Sorry, this is sound like I'm critical of that. That's the way to go when you're trying to cast your net. You cast it with many different hooks and see what you can get and then work out what you do with the melange of cars you have to even them up. A very interesting couple of paragraphs about oil. Oh, yes. that's. I wonder where that's come from, oil burn. Well, what could possibly have spurred that um, rather... Um, well, I mean, they, they, it's good. I like the way when the FIA Well, it's a fuel floor formula. Yeah, you've got, and they've had the, the greatest minds of F1 trying to get round it, so now they can write a bunch of regulations to stop the same thing happening in the hypercar. And, quite clearly,
1: the ACL wants to leave open to the widest uh, possibility the option of priority is to come into the championship. Yes, they want it to be... I, I think what they're seeing is they want it to be proper car brands remember when this first started and there was no definition of a of a car brand um, then that would have meant that uh, Red Bull for example a perfect opportunity could have come in and and had a car or tag Hoya watches or Miggins pies or rebellion well rebellion <laughs> are going in with Peugeot as a sponsor so that' That doesn't really matter. Um, that's going to be uh, Rebellion Persia or Persia Rebellion. But, you know, uh, what we've got here is something that resembles a car brand, whether that's Brabham, whether it's ultimately, whether it is Orica or Dallara, they all turn out cars. What it's not going to be is, is a Miggins Pie special.
5: Yeah, and, and that, honestly, that reaches out to the fans more because that's more of a... The thing that NASCAR thrives on the most, for example, you can drive a Dodge, a Chevy, a Ford, and it's the same thing for the World Endurance Championship. You're going to have cars on track that reflect cars on the street, even if they don't look the same. It's still more relatable on a global scale. I, I really like what he said about the rotary engines. You know, don't read too much into it. We're not catering for one person, but we are opening the doors for all and that speaks volumes as to their intent. Now, whether or not they can go through with it and whether or not the manufacturers who they assume will be interested indeed are, that's something to be determined at a later date.
1: Yeah, uh, but at least... Sorry, uh, but it does, it does leave it open uh, for play. Now, also said that although those regulations, Nick, had been voted on by the World
2: Motorsports Council, there was an element of... Evolving possibly even into yes. the start of the championship. Absolutely, it's going to have to be because you, when you when you have effectively a sort of sort of Formula Libre in some way, um, you, you, what they don't want to is is somebody getting it so right that it becomes a, a one horse race or a one car race. So they need to they're going to need to do some element of that dreadful thing called bop in some way or t'other. Uh, right, you're listening to
1: Midweek Sports, Series 14 Episode 48. Uh, Tim mentioned hyper Yes. Um, this is a, a new way of qualifying for the front three rows of the grid in each category at Le Mans. It's but, bigger than that, though, isn't it? Because
0: there's a new way of qualifying for all rows of the grid and there's going to be a lot less of it.
1: Well, well, and, well and in fact, there's a new way of people being invited. We reported on last week's show about how the ELMS was going to uh, have its invitations linked to how many uh, particular... Uh, how many uh, entries there were in particular classes the Asian Le Mans series have had similar I don't think that's a bad thing it will never be less it will never be fewer than one uh, invitations and it could be up to three in some of the classes uh, so that will allow the ACO the opportunity to give more potentially more wild card entries perhaps to cars who aren't full season WEC entries particularly if they're were hypercars but the timetable Nick is going to look very different when we get to Le Mans next
2: year 2020 in this WEC World Championship season. Yes they've decided to give it a bit of a kick as far as the qualifying is concerned. For those of you who are Seasoned Le Mans listeners and viewers. Um, Wednesday is four hours of free practice and a two hour qualifying session from 10 till midnight. And traditionally, we've had two further two hour qualifying sessions on Thursday. So, six hours of qualifying in total. When in the same time, you need to do get your drivers qualified, do night laps, and everything else. Uh, So, there was as much chance of a pole lap being set at half past 10 on a Wednesday as there was at half past eight on a Thursday, or even midnight on a Thursday. 10 to midnight
1: on a Thursday, Uh, yeah. So, you
2: had no idea it was going to be set. There were a couple of. uh, and especially with with variable weather conditions, sometimes it meant that Thursday was was washed out and there was no actual qualifying, They were still running. So what they've been decided to do is, is that they are going to invent ball with uh, no Iberboli. And uh, it's gonna be running in two sections. So we've got qualifying one, qualifying two. Qualifying one is the last half hour of qualifying on Wednesday. All the cars minutes. go it's forty-five minutes, sorry. Yeah. All the cars go out and try and set a single fastest time. So it's not like wet qualifying where it's an aggregate of your two drivers. Single fastest time, single fastest driver, and that will give us the top six driver teams, sorry, from each class. So there'll be, so top six from the four classes will be twenty-four cars they will have their own special qualifying session at nine o'clock on thursday for half an hour when they were allowed effectively one run they're allowed not they're allowed one set of tyres certain amount of fuel, they're not allowed to, to make a pit stop and come back out again during that time and they will all run hell for leather to set their fastest time and that will set the top six in the grid in that half hour session so we will know by 9.33 on thursday all the pole positions in all of the classes and then after that, there's a further two-hour practice session, which I'm sure is night lapse and set up and everything else. So it's, uh, it basically is giving a 45-minute-to-an-hour special TV qualifying event. And I think it sounds... To be honest, John, I quite like the sound of it. Well, it, I think this is probably
1: in response to a bit of criticism of the rather poor TV coverage of practice and qualifying that we saw uh, this year at Le Bon, where there was no camera coverage... Uh, no manned camera coverage outside from Tert Rouge all the way back to pretty much the Fort chicane. And that was a big step back for coverage. They also didn't have full coverage during the night of the race either. And that's that's going back a decade since that's happened. Yeah. Uh, and particularly for the audiences outside of Europe where some of that coverage is in prime time. Good point. Um, then, you know, that. That wasn't great, uh, and you know, for their European partner Eurosport, I'm sure that wasn't great either. That we didn't see the pole lap uh, on television. Um, and I've, I think this is a good idea. Let's hope that what it means uh, the is that we get full coverage of that. They make a TV presentation out of it. My slight worry is what then happens to the two-hour session afterwards, which is a bit of a dead rubber really uh, it may mean that people leave and it's easier for people like us who have to stay at the <laughs> end to get out Thought
2: of that one actually <laughs> easier
1: um shit, uh, adam your thoughts on that in terms of uh, the uh, of, of of effectively setting pole position at a set time rather than at some indiscriminate time throughout potentially four hours of qualifying
5: i love it for a couple of reasons it means that our elbows being sharp to try and get an interview with the pole sitter That's going to happen about three hours earlier than it normally does, which makes all of our lives less grumpy. Uh, So that's a good thing. (laughs) But also, and I'm thinking of you, Nick, you know, you're the one you normally get grumpy. I don't get grumpy. It's me
2: me gig love. I live for it.
5: Yeah, but it, it also means that when you go for the photo that everyone wants to have the video footage of the successful driver after he's just put in the lap. It's going to be within that 30-minute window. And the driver who comes back in and then gets out of the car doing the little celebration is indeed the driver who set the time. So oh. that makes a better story there, too.
2: So, it also g- means that Miss LeMond hasn't got to stay up so late. Wow. Well, yes. <laughs> uh,
1: right, OK. Tim gray
0: I was going to say, even if we did see the uh, pole lap in the past, we didn't know that it was a pole lap, often until... Uh, 26 hours, 28 hours later. Well, that's
1: a very good point because it it could have been... In fact, you know, you could start at 10 seconds before midnight, just before the chequered flag came out and not finish until three and a half minutes later. uh, And the best lap up until that time might have been set on Wednesday, um, as you said, 26 hours previous. So you're absolutely right, Tim. And I suppose it makes things easier for the non-endurance fan. To follow, my as I say, I think it's great in terms of the television and the fans. At least we'll know what's happening for the at least the top six uh, in each of the classes. The other thing that's a big change. Have and we this mentioned is, that the grid will be? That's what I was just about to mention. Yes. That's the other thing that's changed is that instead of being set up as the grid qualifies um, in in fastest lap order, it will be set up with LMP1 first in their lap time mm. order, regardless of of their lap times so this means a completely different grid rundown then it'll be lmp2 with the fastest lmp2 down to the slowest lmp2 regardless of those times in comparison to p1 or to gt then it will be gt pro and then it'll be gtm
0: and this is how it already works in the wec
1: is it yes Right. Okay. It's also how it works in IMSA, to be honest. Uh, I'm not sure that's required for a 24-hour race, but I suppose... It's a minor thing.
0: It doesn't make any difference either way, really. It makes it neater uh, if you're looking at the grid, doesn't it? Have you? you Over 24 hours, it really makes no difference uh, whether you're starting in 24th position or... 33rd position.
1: Is it still the fastest driver in qualifying that has to start the car Tib, I couldn't see that. was it
2: before in Le
1: Mans. I don't think it was at Le Mans.
2: Mans,
0: I don't think it was either and uh, there's certainly no mention of it in uh, what I've read here. I
1: I wonder if they're going to make an AM driver start having split the grid like that. They're going to make an AM driver start in the AM class as they do in uh, very
2: very surprised I think Limon is much more about free choice isn't it These all these things uh,
1: and are they going to make an arm driver qualify the cars no
2: it's just any driver yeah drive I thought it. that so right okay in, in fairness it's probably um, if you're going to have guys going actually flat out half an hour it's probably safer to have the pros do it
0: yeah and the yeah. not being able to pit that's only in the hyperpole session not in the qualifying session
1: yes that's a good point Tim actually that we forgot to mention so in the uh in the uh, um, hyperpole session, that 45-minute session, you, you can pick any tyre, but you're stuck with it. You can't come back to the garage. So basically... Well, you can.
0: Got, you just can't leave
1: again. Yes. Once you come in, that's it. You're done. You can't come back uh, to the pit lane we'll just have to get used to it i suppose uh, rest assured we'll be covering it uh, however it runs uh, from trackside on fm and around the world on rs1 as well this is our show of the year is it time for another category it is time for another category we've still got ims and news to come and a telephone guest but first let's have another category tim what's the next envelope
0: it's young driver of the year oh. let's uh, remind ourselves the nominees for young driver of the year
1: yeah had to be under 21 at the start of the season.
0: Yes. Uh, Johnny Palmer picked your uh, van too who uh, we were talking mm, to earlier. Good for sure choice. Uh, Nick Damon you picked. Orlando Norris. An excellent Norris. choice, I believe. Yes. Yep. Uh, John, you went for Charles Leclerc. Too old. Brilliant. Too he's old. not too old. <laughs> not he too wasn't
1: old. too old. And he's uh, the young driver of the year. experienced.
0: It doesn't say <laughs> least experienced driver of the year. It <laughs> says young driver of the year. And he's
5: qualified. Uh,
0: Shay, you went for Roman de Andres. I did. Let's take a look
2: at the
5: results. Extra
2: shuffling this time.
0: Big envelope, that. Well, there's some long names in this one. Yeah, okay. Uh, Well, this is very unusual. I don't think I've ever seen this before. What? Uh, In fourth place, with 0% of the vote. um, He picked up just three votes, which is uh, 0.00 something. Uh, percent. Uh, that's Roman De Angelis Right.
3: Oh. <laughs>
0: mm. uh, in third place, mm-hmm. Jörg van mm-hmm. It
3: was always. Ooh. This was always going to be the battle. Be battle of two
2: always going to be the battle. This okay. One.
0: <laughs> and the winner of Young Drivers. How, how, how many percent of the vote did the winner take? Seventy-two oh, point. So that that's a mandate.
1: <laughs> oh, blind me. That's oh. a mandate. 08 <laughs>
0: Right.
2: It
0: is I, Leclerc. Oh! <laughs> Charles Leclerc fair wins enough, Young enough. Driver of the Year, and quite well deservedly done, so.
1: Yes, absolutely, in that uh, I, I think so. And he would be Young Driver of the Year, as far as I'm concerned, for many years to come. Well, no, no more years, no more <laughs> no, years he to come, qualify. It was his last year to qualify. Maybe uh, next year he could be your Man of the Year, John. Uh, well, it depends It uh, depends what he uh, does. We've got some IMSA news to have indeed. come. Uh, and the big IMSA, one of the big IMSA stories of the week, is the move from AMG to Chevy for TGM, the Mission Pilot Challenge uh, Teams and Drivers Champion from a couple of seasons ago. And delighted to say that joining us on the phone is the TG of TGM, Ted uh, Giovannis. Ted, compliments of the season to you and yours. And I hope, you,
8: uh, hope you're well, too, and and the entire IMSA family.
1: The, Tell me a little bit about 2020. Then we've seen the announcement that you are a changing manufacturer and heading to, well, frankly, a, a good old American brand. What's the thinking behind moving to Camaro?
8: It's actually, uh, you know, fairly simple. We uh, we were we were coming up on a time period of making a change where we needed to do certain things to maintain our cars, but then we also uh, had the opportunity to test. Uh, a new platform in the Chevy GT4, and uh, we liked it. All of our drivers drove it, and um, it seems like a, a really good platform. Uh, the, the platform has uh, a normally aspirated motor, which allows us um, uh, the ability to to get out of the corners a little bit better. Um, I don't know whether you realize this, but some of the uh, the turbocharged motors. Are have varying boosts in each in, in different gears, which um, impacts getting runs out of corners, which placed us at a disadvantage to some of the uh, other cars that were normally aspirated.
3: A
1: lot of people, uh, Ted, are going to look at this and say, oh, Hang on a minute, this is a bit of a big change. Why would these guys do this? But effectively, there is the, the manufacturer you were with in the past is introducing a new evo a new car for next year anyway so was the thinking that you would have to change and, and upgrade anywhere? and is that why
8: you were looking around yes uh, but not really with the, with regard to the evo kit i uh it was with regard to other things uh on the cars that we felt we needed to do like rebuild motors and things like that so it was coming up on that and plus as i said before we had an opportunity to test the cars and uh, convince ourselves that it's a it's a Pretty good platform, uh, so that's fundamentally the, the the focus of why we're doing it. It was a it was sort of a timing issue, and it was also uh, what we think we can, uh, what the car has in it, and, and our ability uh, collectively. Uh, all four of the drivers' ability to drive it better.
1: Uh, and Well, I mean, you're absolutely right because if you only have to look at the results last year and Rebel Rock were the uh, only team to get two victories o- on the season and in a, in a championship that is so competitive as the Michelin Pilot Challenge, that was actually, uh, for, for any team, and particularly for that team, and I'm not running them down at all, that was a, that was a pretty decent return for them
8: yes it was and um, it did not go unnoticed on our part but ha- however we um, that wasn't really uh, what drove us to make the change it was really other factors uh, including just general drivability and and uh, other other factors that were in the, the mix so uh, we uh, looked long and hard we didn't make this change cavalierly we, we tested the car we had the ability to to test it uh, from someone uh, that we know who had one. And once we started doing that and working through uh, the car and trying to figure out what it could do, then we decided to make the change.
1: Never easy but
8: to it's do. In reality, John, it, it was only after all of the drivers drove it and we had all of the collective reactions Yes. Uh, to the car. Uh, and...
1: So you've given yourself a bit of work um, in a, a traditionally busy time of the year anyway because the first official outing is mere weeks away with the Raw before the Rolex 24. Will you have, will you have well, first of all, a couple of quick questions. Two cars for the whole season, Ted?
8: Yeah, yes, that's correct. Two cars for the whole season. Uh, there'll be a different um, numbering sequence. Uh, we'll have the 46 car, and uh, the new uh, another the other car will be the number sixty four. Right, uh, sixty four is a number that I had when I first started racing in the prior series uh, in IMSA, and so we went back uh, to, to that number. And of course, we're going to have a new library on the cars uh, when that comes, but don't expect them to look very pretty come the roar. And both
1: cars at the roar, clearly you want to get as many miles under the wheels as you can.
8: Correct. Both cars will be at the roar. Both cars are entered, and um, uh, we'll, we plan on running as many laps as we can.
1: Now, now you guys had a brilliant season uh, a couple of seasons ago, taking the championship in a in a phenomenal team effort. You found out how difficult it is to defend a championship last year with, um, in fairness, I think an up-and-down season. There were some really good parts. There were some not-so-good parts. What have you taken out of that season last year? season this year still but last season well, i nearly said last year uh to, to take into 2020 what have you learned
8: uh, we always learn no matter what we do as a matter of fact we learn more from our mistakes or or non-successes than we do from our successes so we've um taken uh you know uh everything we we look at everything after every race we look at our strategy we look at uh the pit stops and and uh each of the team members of what they did we look at you know driver changes the the car prep uh, a whole uh, the whole litany of things and once we uh we, we find issues we fix them or at least we uh, work on fixing them uh and um you know we just move forward from from that so we're uh, we're pretty pretty stoked about this year I think we think we'll be uh, fairly successful. We think uh, we are targeting on winning another championship with these cars. So uh, that's uh, our, our focus, winning uh, another championship.
1: The competition's not going to get any less strong uh, and the potential of some new driver lineups, some new teams as well we're hearing uh, of interest from in the Michelin Pilot Challenge. What can you tell us about the driving lineup for Ted Giovanni's Motorsport?
8: Well, uh, there'll be, there'll be, uh, most of it will be the same, but there'll be some changes. We, uh, have in the 46 car will be Matt Plum and Hugh Plum. In the 64 car will be Owen Trinkler and myself. And, uh, we thought long and hard about how to make this change and why to make this particular change. Uh, Matt became available, and I don't know, uh, I'm sure you realize it because you've been in the business a long while. Matt's uh, one of the winningest drivers mm-hmm. in the series, uh, along with, I think he's tied with Billy Johnson, but if, if the statistics will prove me wrong on that. Uh, but Matt's a pretty good driver, and Matt and Hugh have driven before. Uh, I remember driving, uh, when I was in ST, uh, they were driving uh, the. Um, uh, a Porsche, uh, I remember specifically, at, in, at Indianapolis, and they were thrilled, they were started driving together then. So um, they've been successful together. Owen and I uh, feel very confident about what's going on. Owen has uh, complimented me in the back room about what he sees me doing. We are uh, very complimentary. We're similar size, and that's going to help us uh, with the feel of the car and what we, what we like and what we would want from the car. Owen is great on setup, mm-hmm. and he feels uh, confident that he can keep going in that direction and then uh, translate what he knows the setup is to what I need to do uh, to be faster. And I'm, I've been, quite clearly, I've been getting faster all along. It's just that the field's been getting a little faster, yeah. but we're we're going to be just fine. Uh, we're,
3: we're pretty confident. Well,
1: uh, Jeremy and I through the season, Ted uh, commented on the fact that one of the certainly one of the high points of TGM was was TG Ted Giovannis, Your your performance last year, you must have been delighted with it because you really came on in leaps and bounds, and it, it seemed like you were really getting your head around the uh, what was required out there. I mean, in that respect, did that make it an even bigger? Decision for you guys to change platform because clearly you'd got your head around the AMG.
8: I I don't. I wouldn't say it. It makes it uh, more difficult or anything. uh, Anything like that. I think, uh, given that I've driven this car and given that when I drove it, I was uh, just as fast as I was in another car at at the same track, and I was a little bit faster, and I was that way within four laps. So that gave everybody an indication that that, if, uh, that I might be coming on. Uh, the other thing, John is my, uh, view of the world. And I was at a recent uh, racing event where there was a race and, uh, there were, there were three of them and, um, there were, there were really two sprint races I had participated in in a, in a different series. And, uh, I got out of the car and, and, uh, after the second race, I was talking with Joe and Joe said, well, what do you think? And I immediately went into the Joe Vardy. uh, And I immediately went into this little tirade of saying, well, I think I screwed up turn six. I, I'm, I should have done that differently. I wasn't getting out of three and five as good as I should have been. And and I, uh, and seven, I had a problem with, and he basically said this, he said, you know, you just won two races. I said, yeah, but, but, I could have been better, and so that's the philosophy that permeates um, all of us at TGM. So no matter what we we do, we're striving for, uh, I'll call it perfection, but it's really not that. The the best we can be in the circumstances yeah. we're in, but we're always reaching for what we could have done a little bit differently. that could have gotten us uh, up the leaderboard one position or a little bit faster. It's an attitudinal kind yeah, of a thing.
1: Absolutely. Ted, how difficult is it for a non-pro driver, even in a pro-am series, as Michelin Pilot Challenges? How how difficult is it to be able to to be able to be competitive and remain competitive? Because the days of just of just turning up at a weekend and using the practice and qualifying sessions as your time in the car, I would suggest that that's not enough anymore.
8: You're definitely right. It is not enough and uh, what i found what we what we try to do as a team we uh, work towards uh, going to tracks in one way shape or form prior to when we're going to be there and and i mean like months in advance so we'll try to get to a track and work out the schedule there are certain tracks where we can't get to uh like we don't go to we don't go to, to most sport uh the uh, 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 entire motorsport park. Or uh, maybe Laguna, but we go to all the other tracks for some uh, amount of time to try to see what we can do because tracks change over time. Uh, uh, so we certainly this year will be different because we got new cars. We'll want to go go there. We've already got a testing schedule laid out. The other thing for a non-pro driver, particularly me, is uh, the first part was to get me track time at those tracks in whatever change conditions there are. But the other thing is it, um, I have to work at it, uh, more uh, than maybe some of the, some of the pros do. I uh, need to uh, work on a simulator. I need to stay in better shape. I need to, uh, the more, the better physical shape I'm in, the less tired I get during a stint. Uh, and that all fits together that allows me to progress and to, uh, listen to my, my co-drivers about what I should do differently. So it becomes harder and harder as the competition gets steeper and steeper. So, but you have to be committed to it and work at it and um, uh, to have those elements. So um, one, listen, to uh, be in better shape, uh, listen to my driver coaches and my teammates and track time, trying to implement whatever that uh, those elements are that I've been told to work on.
1: Well, you clearly... That's
8: it, pure and simple.
1: You clearly did plenty of that last year with the performances that you you had, Ted. Um, final thoughts about the start of the season. Um, just the four hours of, of the opening round. So you've got a bit of track time at the Raw coming up in early January. Then you've got a four-hour race to kick the season off. I mean, talk about a baptism of fire.
8: Oh, yeah. I mean, well um it, i can't say that the four-hour race is a, supply, a surprise because the Glanon and uh daytona are always the four-hour races but we all i uh, i can't say we've worked out completely what our strategy is going to be but we uh it will it will determine it will be determined by um what we think the best best strategy for each of us whether uh and the driver rotation uh i can run longer stints i was in a to be honest with you, uh, several months ago, I was in an hour and a half enduro, and I, I drove um, an hour, and the pro drove um, a half hour. So uh, it depends on how I'm doing and how I settle in uh, to the particular track and how I am relative to everybody else. And then they make that call. Sometimes they make that call while the race is going on, that we don't know what's going to happen. But we have a threshold of performance that they would be expect of me if I start. Uh, then uh, we, we let things, uh, the chips fall where they may, and they make the call as we go on. So the better shape that I'm in, to be honest with you, the more I can deal with stuff on the radio, like you think you can drive another 25 minutes. <laughs> and I can say, well, yeah. And if I could say, yeah, that means my pace is okay. And they're just saying, are you physically okay? Yeah. Can you do it? And so that's sort of what we do. And of course, that all, is impacted by weather and how, uh, uh, driving longer in 95 degree heat is a little bit different than driving in 70 degree heat. So it's it's all relative. But I think well, we'll the the longer races don't don't bother me. Uh, I I'm, I'm I don't think the team is is bothered by that. So we'll we'll adopt a strategy that'll give us a longer run. We tend, tend to set up cars that uh, preserve uh, that are they're preserving equipment and tires for the longer run. Yes. and that's what won us the championship fundamentally in 18 so that's what we did and so we'll we'll be doing that kind of stuff again
1: Ted it's great to hear that you still have just as uh, as much enthusiasm and passion, long may that continue and long may you continue to enjoy what you're doing and good luck in 2020 you're going to have a lot of new fans already a fan favourite team you're going to have a lot of new fans uh, with uh, the GT4 Camaro good luck mate, best to everybody at the team, families as well, of course, because we can't do this without our families, can we, uh, for, for Christmas and New Year. Have a good one, mate.
8: Same to you, uh, John, and and Evens uh, to the whole IMSA family, and happy holidays to everybody.
1: Thank you, Ted. Thank you for joining us on the phone. Ted Giovannis, big changes for TGM, almost like Rumbum 2.0 with the 46 and the 64 car share, Adam.
5: I love it. It's going to be a super fun year with two more Chevys pounding round and round. And keep in mind, we still haven't seen a comprehensive entry list. Who knows? We could have a few more bow ties, but it's a good fit for TGM.
1: And it does does mean, of course, that uh, Owen Trinkler will end up being the closer again and possibly racing against his championship winning teammate.
5: Yeah, how much fun would that be if it Daytona? Figure that uh, it's Owen versus Hugh going for the win. I don't know who crosses the line first. (laughs)
1: <laughs> More MSA news with share after our next awards. Tim, where are you taking us on the shore of the year?
0: We're off to the uh, listener award next. Oh, this is the one that was nominated by our listeners. So our four nominees, all nominated by multiple listeners, and they are Ben Keating, Jim Brody,
3: mm-hmm.
0: Mazda Racing.
1: And Robert Wickens. Can I just mention one person who only got mentioned by one person, but was a great all, almost, Ellis Perks, who uh, won uh, the Speedway titles in all three leagues for three different Ooh. teams this year. Uh, a- a- absolutely extraordinary, um, and I think unique feat in British Speedway, but only one person mentioned him. but I did think it was worth getting a mention. So open the-, the envelope. Get the envelope, Walkman.
0: This is very much the closest oh. uh, one we've had so far. Right. Um, in second place, with 43.3% of the vote, Wow, Mazda oh. Racing. Ooh. Oh. And the winner with 44.1% of the vote is Robert Wickens.
1: Robert Yay. Wiggins wins our Listener Award for 2019. Sure, we promised some more IMSA news. we have rapidly running out of time, as we always do on the show of the year. Let's do Rolex first, and it's a story of people coming back. Uh, Reese, back.
5: We've got Ricci back with four factory drivers, Colado Pierguidi, Rigon, and Sarah, who was announced this week, by the way, as a factory GT driver alongside Nicholas Nielsen. For now, it's just one race for Risi, but it could turn into more.
1: WRT Audi back!
5: They are back with an all star lineup. Marika Bordelotti, Rolf Neichen, and Daniel Morad, all previous winners of the Rolex, joined by Dries Vantor. Mm.
1: And Grassa Racing, well, we know they're there, but they have now a third car.
5: They do. This one is for all the endurance races. Frank Pereira, Richard Heistan, Sein Shorthorst, and Albert Costa with them for the Rolex.
1: And welcome to IMSA and the Rolex to one, Shane Van Gisbergen.
5: SVG is going to be joining the already star studded Lexus team. He's going to be in the car opposite Kyle Bush. So, Kyle will be in the Parker Chase and Jack Hawksworth car. SVG joins Townsend Bell and Frank Montecalvo. And also, just dropping in during the show, John, we had an announcement Dragon Speed announced their final driver for the Rolex. It's young Harrison Newey who's oh. going to be teaming up with Henrik Hedman, Ben Hanley, and Colin Brown.
1: JDC uh, have announced their lineup for their second car.
5: They have this car, which will be yellow, running the number the 85, Cadillac. Yep. the Cadillac. Mateus Leist, fleeing wow. IndyCar, will be doing a minimum of the endurance races. Juan Pedrojitra has been announced for the endurance races. And Chris Miller is driving at the Rolex. We don't know who the other potential full-season driver is as of yet.
1: Uh, we've talked a bit about BMW already, but their endurance lineup is complete too.
5: Philip Ang and Colton Herta back in the 25, so they'll be joining with Spangler and Di Filippi. in the 24. It's John Edwards and Jesse Crone once again. They've got Chaz Mostert coming back with Augusto Farfus. Uh,
1: and a change of time and schedule. We've talked about Le Mans changing a little bit. Also, the uh, the Uh, Mobile one, twelve 12 hours of Sebring having a few changes.
5: Correct, because the 1,000 miles of Sebring, the WEC race, will start at noon on Friday, which is traditionally when the Pilot Challenge race would be taking place, so that race has been moved to Thursday late afternoon. Track action for the support series now begins Wednesday morning at 8 a.m., so it's going to be a longer week for us, but it means that it's a shorter week for the support series, so it's not necessarily a bad thing.
1: Uh, and that was trailed by Scott Atherton, of course, some time ago. Some Corvette news and a Corvette competition coming after this.
5: Yay. Well, with Corvette news, Marcel Fessler, once again, the endurance driver for the number four, teaming up with Tommy Milner and Oliver Gavin in the silver Corvette. In the yellow one, it will be Nick Katzberg joining the team. He has run a Corvette at Le Mans in the past. He did that with Larborough a couple of years ago now. But he's got the call-up to run with the big team and we will be seeing him at Daytona.
1: And our competition, which we'll give you until we come back in the new year to work out is for a signed copy of Nigel Scott Dobby's History of Corvette Racing, the first 20 years. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago on Midweek Motorsport. Uh, Nigel left us a copy. There have been 107 race victories in the last 20 years for Corvette Racing. How many of those were at tracks in the USA? At Specutainment, hashtag NSD, for Nigel Scott Dobby, that's the book, VET, NSD. Vet is the hashtag to add. spec your team. And how many of the 107 victories attained by Corvette Racing were in the USA? And that book could be on its way to you. We've time, I think, just about to squeeze in our final award.
0: We're down to Man of the Year. This is the big one. Uh, Uh, The nominees for Man of the Year are... Uh, from Shea Adams Scott McLaughlin yeah
5: you just got married this week
0: yes so man of the week certainly this week (laughs) Uh, from John Heintoff did you go Mark Marquez I did did, yes Yes. I did go Mark Marquez eight
1: world championships six in the top class unrivaled on a bike that was impossible for anyone else
2: to ride.
0: Uh, From Nick Damon, Johnny Ray.
2: Greatest comeback in motorsport world championship history.
0: And from Jonathan Palmer, Kevin Estra.
1: Very good. So, let's get the final envelope open. Is
2: this tight? It's delay on this one. Oh,
1: Tim's... Has he got... Have we In got the wrong envelope? Place. <laughs>
0: <laughs> In fourth place, Mark Marquez. Ooh.
1: People Ooh. don't like two whales. Don't like him. Well, I think they're wrong. Again.
0: In third place... Scott McLaughlin. Ooh. You and Johnny. And the winner... With how much of the vote? With 55.8% of the vote. It's a working majority. <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge majority. It's Johnny Ray. Yes! Not poor, not
2: old, not Johnny poor old, Ray. old Johnny on Ray on
1: this show.
0: Johnny We've Ray. we got it
2: right. Every other war ceremony has got it wrong. Gets the
1: recognition that he deserves. Thank you very much indeed to Tim Greer and our independent adjudicators. To all of you who voted. Remember that Corvette. Competition will announce the winner in our first show of 2020, which will be Midweek Motorsport Series 15, and that will be a midday motorsport as we're in Dubai, so that means we're a little bit ahead. Uh, so, we're going to do that at midday uh, UK time uh, on the Wednesday of the Dubai Hankook 24 what's Nick's, on tomorrow at 8 John uh, tomorrow at 8 o'clock is the Torah Christmas special including their Christmas quiz following that will be the IMSA support uh, review with Shea and I and following us tonight so stay tuned the IMSA review so the IMSA review of the w- WeatherTech Sports Car Championship get on to uh, radio-show.co.uk here and look down at the bottom for RS1. We are dropping in the review programs uh, as quickly as we can. Do once you we want get to people. tell
0: people what's on Friday at 8pm?
1: Uh, uh, f- what is on Friday at 8pm?
0: With Jeremy Shaw and that'll itself. be the in-
1: IndyCar. <laughs> IndyCar. Thank you for reminding me. Uh, Declan and I are going to be doing a two-wheeled. Uh, review. That's the
0: following Friday. That's the twenty seventh of December.
1: So day after Boxing Day. And when's the F one one? Uh,
0: the F one will be on the twenty eighth. No. Saturday the twenty eighth. Twenty eighth. And we're going to. And p- we've got a special on Christmas Day, haven't we, Shay? What's What are you doing for us at ten past three on Christmas Day afternoon? Queen the Queen's speech. Queen's speech. It's called the Queen's Christmas message. The Queen's speech is when Parliament opens. All right. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Shay, what are you doing at ten past three? On uh, Christmas would, Day afternoon. We're going would, inside would that, what?
5: Who knows? Would that be the Porsche
0: Museum? It is the, the Porsche, Porsche Museum. Museum. <laughs> You've got 15 <laughs> seconds left to say goodbye, John.
1: We'll rerun all of the reviews at various times, so stay tuned to RS1, and they'll be getting published on radio uk. What a brilliant year. More than 5.5 million downloads and counting. Have a great Christmas and New Year. Bye-bye.